Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. Trust can affect people's ways of communicating, their workplace hierarchies, organisational success, as much as it can impact on international collaboration. Given the extent of globalisation today, understanding trust across cultures has become ever more important. Tan Hui Hoon is an Associate Professor of Human Resources and Organisational Behaviour at SMU's Lee Kong Chien School of Business. She has been involved in a multi-year study on trust that spans 30 countries across six continents. In this podcast, she shares her insights into the research, which examines how factors of trustworthiness, that is, ability, benevolence and integrity, vary in terms of importance in trust building across countries, and how one's general willingness to trust, also termed propensity to trust, affects relationship building in different countries. Professor, can you tell us what inspired you to research deeply into trust issues? So two things inspired me. One, the fact is that trust is an issue that's so fundamental to human relationships, especially at the workplace. So when I look around for a research topic that will intrigue me and that will motivate me for a long time, I realised it has to be trust. Secondly, what also inspired me was the fact that when we go to work, most of us don't feel very safe. All right, the idea that you know we can bring our full self, who we are to work, is not something that we can do because we lack psychological safety. So when I look at the research that's being done out there, I realize one key component of someone who feels psychologically safe at work is the fact that they trust people around them. So when you trust, you feel safe, you can bring your true self, and then you can self-actualize. So for me, these were the two main reasons why I was very motivated to work on trust. You have recently concluded an extensive multi-year project with two international trust researchers. Can you tell us more? Together with two other colleagues from the United States, Roger Mayer from NC State, David Skorman from Purdue University. So we got a grant from the US Air Force of Scientific Research. And that research allowed us to study trust over 30 countries. One of the main questions that intrigued us in body of work on trust is that, hey, you know, we know what leads to trust. So the idea that ability of the person you're trusting, benevolence of the person you're trusting, and the integrity of the person you're trusting are important elements that lead to trust. However, it's not clear to us how that plays out in different countries. So for example, in a place that is very individualistic, meaning people look out for themselves, what would actually be a key factor that leads to trust? In a country that's very collectivistic, where people look out for each other and feel that they are interdependent on each other, what factor would be more important? So we started with that premise and decided that would be the main research question out there. In addition, we were also looking at one very interesting component of trust, something we call propensity to trust. What happened is, you know, all of us brings this propensity to trust to every relationship that we have, especially a new relationship. So some of us trust, you know, strangers a lot more than others, right? You would imagine. Some of us trust a lot less. And then our question was, how do we try to understand this in different countries? Because propensity to trust or what we call social trust is stronger in individualistic cultures like the United States compared to collectivistic cultures like Japan. How cultural dimensions affect 
this propensity to trust or what we call social trust. So that was the second research question that we were looking at. How did you go about the research and what were your findings? The entire study was conducted in 30 countries over six continents and we have about 2,700 observations over the entire data set. So what we did was the study was conducted between 2013 to about 2018. We sort of concluded the study uh, at the end of 2018. We're currently writing it up. So for the first study, what we found that was really interesting and different uh, as opposed to our hypothesis was that ability, benevolence is not as important as integrity when people think of trust, especially in organizations. So regardless of whether you are the supervisor that's being trusted, the peer that's being trusted, or the subordinate that's being trusted, the person who's doing the trust, more importantly for them, the only factor that matters a lot more is integrity. In our earlier hypothesis, we had thought that folks in collectivistic cultures such as, for example, you know, Asia, would tend to place more emphasis and importance on benevolence. Uh, but we didn't find that. So that was against uh, our theoretical, logical inferences. But we thought that was also interesting in that perhaps, you know, at the end of the day, trust is really about integrity, about people doing the right things for others, walking the talk, being reliable, keeping to their words. How about your study on the propensity to trust? Part of the research had two components to it. The first component was we, in our study, developed a different, a new scale for assessing that. That was because the previous skills that were being used were very poor in reliability. So our skill actually managed to, you know, overcome some of the issues in the previous earlier skills. And we used that to correlate against existing understanding of cultural dimensions. So for example, we also borrowed from a study called the GLOBE study, Cultural Dimensions of Collectivism, Uncertainty Avoidance, Power Distance, and Performance Orientation. So let me walk you through each of the dimensions. So in collectivistic cultures, we expect propensity to trust to be higher in collectivistic cultures. All right, and we didn't find that. Uh, for uncertainty avoidance, this is an interesting construct in that it actually assesses the extent to which a culture or a group of people are comfortable with ambiguity. Now, the definition of uncertainty avoidance has two parts. Number one is comfort with ambiguity. And number two has got to do with the fact that if people are not comfortable with ambiguity, what would they do to manage that? All right, so this is the second part of the definition. So the second part refers to the extent to which rules and structures and processes are created to manage the ambiguity. What did we find? We hypothesized that the more ambiguous the society, the more likely that you will not trust strangers, right? However, we did not find that. What we found was something really interesting that has got to do with the second part of the definition. We found that there's a positive relationship between uncertainty avoidance and propensity to trust. That means in a society where there are lots of rules and regulation, people are more likely to trust strangers. It's a little bit of a paradox or oxymoron in some ways, right? Uh, because, you know, the implication is that, hey, maybe we need to create enough structures for people to take risks in strangers. 
for people to want to trust in strangers. So this was, again, a counterintuitive finding that we had. What were the key challenges you faced? We do have challenges in um, trying to collect data across all the 30 different countries. One key challenge that maybe today is not so unusual now is the fact that we don't find pure people anymore. So pure is used very loosely. What do we mean by pure? What we meant was, you know, when we go to a country to collect data about folks from a certain country, which is a good proxy for culture, we found that nobody, nobody only lives in that country anymore. We have moved around so much because of globalization that there isn't one person who said, I lived all my life in one place. So for example, we collected data in Stockholm, hoping to reach out to a sample of Swedish people. Guess what? When we looked at the data, almost nobody in our data set is from Sweden. Almost everybody is from, you know, the European countries such as Germany, such as France, such as Italy. So that was one of our big challenge. And I think going forward, um, folks doing this kind of work will face this even more because of globalization. So another challenge that we had was, uh, has to do with technology and infrastructure. So for example, um, our study was largely pushed out online via the internet platform. However, we found that in countries in Africa, uh, the infrastructure was not quite ready for the internet um, online platform. And so we had to do a paper pencil uh, kind of data collection. The other issue that we also found this sort of data collection method is that uh, folks drop out of the study very quickly. We can collect 300 so-called respondents and only half the data set is good because most of them did not fill the other half. So for researchers who are doing work in this area and trying to use an online internet platform, these are issues that one should take into account. What are the implications for organizations and policymakers? So the implications are such that for the first study, where we talk about you know, which factor of trustworthiness is um, more important when people are trusting or thinking of trusting, you know, be it a supervisor, a peer, a subordinate, I think our finding that it is all about integrity means we have to be doing the right things or at least to be perceived to be doing the right things because um, everybody is watching us and wondering to, you're wanting to know to what extent are you trustworthy in the sense of walking the talk, doing the right things, standing up to the right values, for example. And so for organisations, this must be the foundation of all relationships. For the second study, I think for policymakers, the interesting bit will be if you want people to take risks, create structures and processes that will allow them to do so. So instead of saying, you know, we don't need rules, people will learn how to manoeuvre in the environment, we create enough structure and enough processes for them to say, hey, I'm willing to stick my neck out and do a little bit of risk taking. I think this would be, in fact, a key policy issue that policymakers should think about, really. What other projects are you working on right now? I'm doing a project on understanding what the nuances of integrity is, since integrity played a big role in trust. That is one of the key projects I'm working on. So what I'm going to do next is to go into different cultures and instead of doing a quantitative research study using a questionnaire survey, I will go back and do qualitative interviews on understanding what people think 
integrity is all about, how is it manifested in the culture, and I'd like to do a comparative study of how it is manifested. But this is because different cultures have different ways of thinking about integrity. Now, we use the construct as though people understand it to be the same. However, that may not be the case, and I think this would be of value add. Thank you, Professor. Thank you very much.